This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today, you guys, you're in for a treat. We're going to hear about goal setting and how you can become the queen or king of sales. Now, you might need a little help getting this, but, you know, sales is a big thing. It's a big thing you hear us talk about all the time with my Seek 4D headphones, Black-owned, first 4D company. On my top of my head, I have L'Oreal Lipkins. So a woman with vision. A woman with vision, LariaLipkins.com. You can see her description, um, the links in the description box. L'Oreal, tell us why and how is a goal not enough in 2020 going into 21? A lot of folks are like, I was dreaming this whole time. <laughs> I set my goals and now you're going to tell me it's not enough. Give us the game. Well, well you know, I think... Um... I think funny thing is I think right now is actually the best time to be setting your goals because I think you're a lot you're, you're right a lot of people walked into 2020 saying you know I have 2020 vision this is going to be the year that I'm gonna make all my dreams the reality and then COVID happened and threw everybody a curveball um, but the reason I think that right now is a really good time to be setting your goals is because 2020 has been um, full of surprises we'll say um, we should be more clear than ever about what's really important to us and I think a lot of times people make the mistake of setting goals that sound good but they're not really bought into they're not really committed to and so right now after everything that we have gone through over the last nine months or so you should be crystal clear about what's important to you right now and what's not important to you and so the reason I say that setting a goal in and of itself is not enough as you and I both know, a lot of people, January 1st rolls around, they set a goal, and there's a lot that happens between the intention of setting a goal and then actually executing it. And um, I find that a lot of people don't plan for the middle, right? They don't plan for the roadblocks. They don't plan for the routines they need to set up. They don't plan for the mindset shifts that they're going to have to make. And so as a result, they set a goal and never achieve it. And I want to say 92% of people who set goals don't achieve them, whether that's a business goal or a personal goal. Wow. Now, is that, is it the way they're setting up the goal? Because we always like to say a dream plus a plan equals the goal. But is uh -huh. it the way they're setting it up? Or is it that folks like get fatigued or the first, you know, thing that trips them up? They're like, okay, you know, black folks love to say this. And, and Christians, totally, um, you know, God just didn't want me to have it. And sometimes it's, <laughs> yeah, give, give us the game. Well, you know what? I think it's D on the above. I think part of it is um, most people weren't set, uh, weren't taught how to set goals properly. So we think anything that we want is a goal and it's not. Um, other times we set goals that aren't really important to us, right? So I don't teach my clients the SMART method. Uh, for years, when I was doing corporate training, I used to teach, um, so my background is corporate sales training. Uh, I used to teach SMART goals. And the reality is having a SMART goal doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to achieve it. Um, so I think part of it is how we set goals. I think the other thing and the biggest thing is that um, if you're setting a goal, right, you're, that means that you're going to have to do things that you've never done before in order to achieve it. Otherwise, you would have already achieved it. And I don't think a lot of people make the mindset shift 
to align with the goal that they're setting because they think once they get to the goal, then their mindset changes. And the reality is you need to change your mindset first in order to get to the goal. So I would say that's the biggest challenge that I see is that people set a goal and a lot of times the goals are bad, but even beyond that, they don't change their mindset to align with the goal that they, that they said they want to achieve. And so the moment they hit a roadblock, the moment they hit a challenge, you're right. They say, okay, I need to go back and pray about it. Or that must've been a sign that that wasn't for me. When the reality is maybe you just had a bad plan. Maybe you didn't set a goal. Maybe you didn't actually try. Maybe you didn't shift your mindset. Um, and that's why <laughs> you didn't achieve the goal. You talk about folks having a bad goal. Give an example uh-huh. of a bad goal. Cause I kind of chuckled inside when I, when I heard that. Yeah. yeah so, um, so I'll give you, I'll give you a quick one, uh, especially right now, everybody wants to start a business. And so a goal could be, I'm a, you know, I'm going to start a side hustle or I'm going to start um, a business. Well, that what does that actually mean, right? So that's very different than saying, I want to start a business that can replace my income. I want to start a business that can generate $5,000, $10,000 a month consistently. I want to launch a business by March 31st that you know has XYZ in terms of revenue. Now, that is specific. Just saying I want to start a business, just saying I want to write a book, just saying I want to lose weight, pay off debt, that in itself is not... Um, a good goal. It needs to be crystal clear. It needs to be defined. You need a plan. You need a timeline. And you need to know whether this goal is truly important to you for where you are in your life right now. So I find that a lot of people's goals are just simply too vague. They're wishes, hopes, wants, dreams, but they're not goals. Goals need to be specific. They need to be tangible. Do you have any numbers on if you have a mentorship, a coach to help you with those goals, how much more successful you could be? Um, I don't have any specific numbers, but I can tell you anecdotally that having a mentor is definitely going to help you. Um, But the problem becomes, because I I get a similar question about like accountability partners and how, you know, should you get an accountability partner and how do you find one and all that? I'm a big believer in developing personal accountability. And here's why. I find that it's different when you have a coach, but when you have accountability partners, what typically happens is, hey, girl, you can't achieve that goal either. Me either. Let's let's partner up and hold each other accountable because we can't hold ourselves accountable. Okay, well, that's not going to (laughs) work. You know, two unaccountable people trying to hold themselves accountable is a recipe for failure. Now, uh, having a coach is a little bit different. But here's what I find is that um, most people need a coach or an accountability or outside help because they haven't tapped into the emotional reason that they want to achieve the goal, right? So if you tap into your own personal um, emotional reason that you want to achieve your goal, that should be what motivates you. A coach is good for how do I get there? How do I get there more efficient? How do I be more effective? But you shouldn't have to rely on a coach to necessarily be uh, look for motivation, if you will. And, and a lot of folks, you know, are getting the game in one field and then they're saying, hey, I'm a coach. I'm an expert now, so I'm going to teach it. So you have so many different coaches out there. And I know one of the things you do is, you know, consult people in sales. Can you Mm -hmm. give folks a rundown for those who say, well, I have a great product, but the sales aspect, I'm an inventor, not necessarily a salesperson or a marketer or PR, Um, you know, kind of give them what you do when you onboard a client. Yeah. So um, if you are a business owner, you are a salesperson. 
right? First and foremost, and especially starting out when you may not have the resources to hire somebody, um, you have to learn how to master two things. One, marketing, how to get yourself out there. Two, sales, how to close the business. If you're not closing business, you don't have a business. Um, and so when I am doing um, <laughs> sales training, I do a lot. And how do you create a process? So a lot of times people are, like you said, are good at what they do. They just don't know how to sell it. Um, and so I really teach them, how do you create a sales process, a step-by-step -step framework to take someone from being interested to actually converting them um, to a paying client? And uh, you need a process. You need a roadmap for that. And it doesn't have to be salesy. That's, that's the thing is when I got into sales training, wow, 11 years ago, um, I was terrified because I had this negative perception around sales and I thought it was like sleazy and like manipulative and trying to get people to buy your stuff. When people who are really good at sales are really good at asking questions. And if you ask the right questions, your prospects will discover that they need you. It isn't necessarily about pitching your product. It isn't about, you know, uh, manipulating people into saying yes it's really having a process that asks really good questions where the prospect says okay now how can you help me close that gap that i have so when do you get into the grant cardone 10x type you know this is the hail mary folks um, uh -huh. don't use this sale every time i don't know if you've read any of grant cardone's <laughs> books but some of his stuff is you know do whatever you gotta do to sell if the traditional method does not work uh-huh. What do I think about it? What do you think about it? Do you use any of those tactics? Um, yeah. I, I don't. Um, <laughs> um, I think Grant Cardone is fantastic at what he does. I obviously, he's been very successful doing it. Uh, I believe that you should sell in a way that aligns with your values. It's one thing to get the sell, but I believe that true professionals, true business owners, it's not just about the first sale, it's every other sale. And if you feel like I twisted your arm or plotted and planned trying to get you to say yes, um, and you don't feel good about saying yes at the end, you're not going to refer me. Um, and you're probably not going to have a good experience. So I don't believe that you do whatever you need to do to get the sale. No, I think you have a system and a process that allows people to uncover their issues and then discover that you're the right fit for them. Um, so that's really my, my belief. Okay. And if you could break it down for people, you know, the difference between sales and marketing, a lot of times I'm a consultant and, and do uh -huh. PR. And a lot of times, you know, your client thinks you're going to do everything for them. And we're an all in one type shop. We can do that for you. But mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people specialize and they come to you and say, Hey, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to pay you whatever your retainer is, whatever your fee is, and then I'm not going to have to do anything else. So if you can kind of break down what sales is to you so, you know, we don't have a whole bunch of people confused and, and bothering yeah. you saying, hey, I I'm also trying to get interviews on Forbes <laughs> and talking to the salesperson. <laughs> yeah, so marketing, I say, is everything that's kind of um, front facing. It's everything before the sale. So it's your social media, it's creating the content, it's your website, all of that type of stuff is marketing. P 
PR is getting you on other people's platforms. So doing podcasts, doing TV interviews, doing print, doing radio, all of that is more PR, right? Getting articles, blog posts, guest posts. Sales is when you're having conversations with people. It's the actual conversion. How do I get you from interested? How do I get you from, you clicked on my website, you downloaded a lead magnet to you set up a discovery call. Sales really begins at that discovery call. Um, in the actual selling, right? Um, and so that's where the selling is all about conversion. Everything before that is probably going to be an aspect of marketing or PR. Um, and I believe like PR falls under marketing, but it's a completely, it's a very specialized skill set. Um, and so s- selling is the actual conversion. How am I getting you from being interested to converting you to a paying client? Awesome. So that's wonderfully put just so you guys can get the game, understand the different definitions. So when you reach out to someone, you're not ignorant. Now, for those who could be interested and say, you know what, that's what we've been needing. You know, we're a startup company. We've been making money during this COVID time because a lot of folks have been making some good money um, Mm -hmm. during COVID time. A lot of businesses have either, you know, gone up or just created, but what does it look like to hire your services? Is it, you know, a retainer based or is it, you know, you're just taking a portion of whatever you sell because a lot of folks get that mixed up and as a PR tip, I really get perturbed and upset when I'm like, you think I'm going to do what for you and get paid like it's some type of Amazon, you know, link? No, that's not how it works. So how how should they come with you? What should they expect as far as ranges of fees and how that works? Well, there, there would be two reasons that someone would be reaching out to me. One might be Um, we have a good product, we have a good service, but we do not feel confident or capable or have the know-how in actually selling this. So a good prospect for me is someone who is a coach, a consultant, an entrepreneur who is, again, good at what they do, but they just don't have a process for selling or they don't have the skill set to sell. So they either need training um, or they need some consulting and actually developing the processes. So one, that would be, you know, the type of clients that I work with. I also work um, a lot in the, um, the B2B space and in the SaaS space. So um, a lot of tech companies, a lot of uh, software as a sales, software as a service um, type organizations. Um, But I don't do um, a lot of my clients are going to be based on scope of work. So, for example, I have clients that they'll hire me just to develop their sales process. I have clients where we're developing their sales process as well as training their team because I do work with organizations that have sales teams and I'm training their sales teams. Other times it's I need a sales process. I need training, but we also need a playbook for as we grow and scale. Um, So I work based on scope of work. Um, So usually what works best is for someone to set up a conversation, set up a discovery call. I figure out where they are, where they're trying to get, and then we can determine if I'm the right fit. Sometimes it's not a good fit for me um, because I am not the cheapest service. I am a premium service. Um, And so kind of depends on where people are and what they need. Oh, I smile when I hear that. That premium number just reminds me of sending like an invoice um, <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> just, just, just makes me smile, um, you know, and, and that's a great thing because we still, too many of the elders would be considered young people. And to find that, you know, 
there's so many times, I don't know about you, that I feel like I had um, undervalued myself um, just so I could do the work to prove that, oh, I could work in this market, whether it was tech, whether it was government. So to hear that premium is, is awesome. You know, you've been doing this, you mentioned over a decade. Uh-huh. Is this something that you learned and studied in school or did you stumble upon it just working, you know, maybe for corporate? Yeah, so um, so I actually worked for the largest sales training company in the world. So we had 250 locations worldwide. Um, I was out, out of the Dallas office, really ran the Dallas office for nine years before going out on my own um, two years ago. And so I was originally hired as di- the director of marketing um, and then moved from marketing to actually selling and delivering the training. So I worked with all types of companies from Sprint, Linux, Affleck. Aflac, um, Indeed, Oracle, WeWork, like a lot of big name companies. Um, and when I left, I was very intentional about focusing on that small to mid-sized market because I find that um, there were a lot of small business owners, again, that were really good at what they do, did, uh, what they do but they have no idea how to get clients, right? They have no idea how to get customers, how to convert, how to actually sell what it is they do. And like I said, if you don't know how to get business, you don't have a business. And so I was very intentional about, it's great to work with the big name companies. I still do some of that, but it's also really, really important to me. And especially now more than ever is to work with that small to mid-sized business owner who is saying, Larry, like we're great at the technical side, we're great at delivering the work. We just need more work. We don't know how to sell. We don't know how to get business in the door. We're great, like I say, technicians, but not very good salespeople. Um, And so that's what I've been focused on primarily for the small to mid-sized market for the last two years. Oh, But I've been doing it all for the last 11. Okay, and you know, with working with you know business, you know, especially mid-size to you know larger um, companies, do you find that? And I'm saying this, it, it, I don't want to put it on you, but I gotta ask that mm-hmm. Asian companies, especially tech companies, really have a hard time finding how to sell in America. Have you seen like because they just have a different approach on how? they they deal with even like at a conference like CES I've seen mm-hmm. it firsthand and it's like that's not going to get the american market that might work in taiwan but that's not going to work here and we're in vegas have you seen yeah. like a difference like in, in cultural fits which makes you being a nece- necessary i was going to start speaking spanish necesito <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it, it makes you necessary with your premium price. And, I, and I'm not picking on the Asian market. I'm just seeing such a need, you know, when we're we're talking to different companies. Have you seen that need for that? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, obviously there's, you know, some cultural nuances, right? And how people do, do business. I was actually working, um, talking to a company that they were, at, they're a European company. And he basically said, um, they, they have some salespeople now that are um, in the European, uh, in Europe, but they were looking to hire some people here in the U.S. specifically because of the cultural difference. And I said, okay, so tell me a little bit about what your salespeople are doing now. And he says, they basically get on the phone and say, this is what we have. Do you want to buy? <laughs> he said, that's it. That's their sales process. Here it is. Do you get, do you, do you have money? Do you want to purchase? And so they were reaching out to me to look for salespeople here in the U.S., 
um, and to build them a sales process, but they felt it would be easier for US-based salespeople to adapt a different process than trying to teach their European salespeople how to adapt to an American sales process. And so you definitely have some cultural um, pieces, but even, I think the bigger challenge, especially like in a tech space or a SaaS, is they tend to be very technical when the prospect doesn't care about all the nuances and all the technical aspect of what they're selling, they just want their problem solved. And so that's the bigger challenge that I see. Obviously, part of it is cultural, but even not cultural, even US-based salespeople that are in the SaaS technical space, they tend to get very technical and nuanced about the product or the software or the hardware versus keeping in mind what's the problem that you're actually solving. And I think that's for Honestly, for anybody, whether you're in financial services, sometimes you want to like make people financial planners. They don't need to be a financial planner. They're trying to hire you, right? Um, it's stop being so technical and really focus on the problems that you solve for people, whether you know whether it's a cultural difference or whether it's just um, a technical technical sale. And have you been able to travel abroad and, you know, uh, really, you know, work with international companies, even in their homelands? And if so, what countries and which countries were your favorite? Yeah, so I haven't done um, any international travel, especially not now. So I have I have a nine month old. Uh, so he was born right before uh, before COVID hit. So mama has been nowhere um, internationally uh, <laughs> for the last nine months. But most of my clients tend to be um, more U.S.-based organizations. Okay. So when I go okay. abroad, I'm going for travel. Okay. Well, and that, that's <laughs> that's what they call recon. Then you're reconning, <laughs> and you know, be what, what's your favorite country just for travel? Um. I think London, London was really nice. We do a lot in the Caribbean space. Um, we actually had a trip planned to Italy right before COVID happened. So we had a lot of trips lined up for 2020 that just are not uh, clearly not, not happening. So um, my dream vacation though, is to go to Australia. So that's oh, awesome. on my, my bucket list. Well, the tickets right now are priced right. So you can use later, even a year or two later. Um, that's the one thing COVID has done. Ticket prices are just awesome. Yeah. So, you know, with doing sales, do you ever get imposter syndrome? Does it ever, is it ever like, you know, doubting yourself and saying, can I really do this? Are you totally past that stage? No, I think, uh, I think we all have that. Right. Um, we all have that. And for me, it's really about having having that process. And that's why having that process is so important, because if you don't have a good or clearly defined sales process, then you tend to get emotional on a sales call and not emotional in terms of like crying, but emotional, like nervous, guessing yourself, doubting, negotiating with yourself on price. Uh, but when you have a, a clearly defined process, it pulls out of that. It pulls out that emotion. And it keeps you very logical, which is where you need to be at when you're doing uh, running a sales call. Um, and then the other thing that I constantly do is that I remind myself of the value that I provide to my clients. So I never price myself based on the service. I price myself based on the value that I provide. Right. So as a quick example, someone might say, well, how can you charge $10,000 for a sales process? Like that's just some flow charts and it maps out. Yeah, but if my client has a $50,000, $100,000 deal and, or even a $10,000 deal and I map out a process that they can use consistently, 
they're going to make that investment back over and over and over and over again. So that would be another word of advice for people is don't price based on your service. Don't price based on the time that it takes. Um, price your services based on the value that you provide. And I oh, guarantee you'll end up rising your price. You'll end up raising your prices. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's, that's real talk. Um, I, I read a lot of Alan Weiss and, and he's been a guest on this show and no one's written more books and consulting. And he talks about people spend more on paintings and what plants they put in their parking lots. And so if you're going to just lowball yourself, you're going to always just, you know, feel that's how you feel about you and your service yeah. but they gotta pay somebody and if you take their money and think you can do the job take the job and price yourself right um you know give or take uh some of the things he said in the book but that's a confidence issue more than anything do small businesses especially black businesses do they tend to understand the value that you bring when they come to you and say, hey, I, I want your services. I want to have a team like LeBron, you know, do, mm -hmm. do they understand the value or do you find yourself having to like really coach them and just show how business in this space works? Yeah, it kind of depends on what their experiences are. So, for example, if I'm working with someone who, who also comes from a corporate background, I think they get it more than someone who doesn't have corporate experience, but maybe they own a business now. Um, and so, for example, I have a client right now that came from a corporate background. So when I gave him my prices, um, he understood because he had past experience to be able to kind of have an anchor, if you will. But if it's somebody who has never worked in corporate, has never sold a premium products, then yes, there is a, a bigger gap for them to kind of like wrap their head around in terms of pricing. Um, but then I also have other options, right? So um, you don't just have to work with me. So that's another thing that I've done since COVID is in addition to being able to work with me one-on-one, I have a course, right? So if you say, okay, well, I don't have $10,000 to spend um, or to invest, but I do need a, a sales process, but I do need some sales training. Well, then I have some digital options that you could do that don't require us to work one-on-one. -on -one. And so that's another piece of advice that I would give to your audience is you have to know the tiers in your own business. And you may have your core offering and maybe you have a down sale um, that it doesn't mean that they're not going to get good results. It just means that it isn't, doesn't require your time for them to be able to have access to the information. Gotta love those courses and all of that can be seen on your website, correct? Correct. Okay. And do you help others sell their courses since you have courses that you're selling? If people say, well, I have a course too. I haven't been able to, you know, get it off the ground. Is that something that you're able to help them with? Yeah, it all comes down to, um, having the sales process. So kind of depends if they have like a, you know, a $200 course that someone just goes to their website and buys. I'm not your person to help you with that. If you have a premium course and premium means that you need to have a discovery call with them and your course is, you know, $1,500, $2,500, $5,000, and you're having a conversation with someone, um, then that would be where I would help them, where map out what is that conversation needs to be to be able to convert that person from I'm just simply interested to being a paying client. 
Okay, no, that premium, you guys remember, underline <laughs> that word. That's the word of the day. And it's a very simple word. And I love that. I Again, love to hear. Now, with all the success that you are having and that you're going to have in the future, what is a community give back that you are doing now or that you plan on doing in the future? That's a good question. Um, so one of the things that I'm actually doing, so I have two businesses. I have one that is um, more Lipkins Consulting Group where I focus on the sales training. Then I have Woman With Vision that is more personal development for women professionals and women entrepreneurs uh, where I get really heavy into, into the goal setting. And so one of the things that I'm getting ready to do um, in January, actually, is I do a, a big vision board event, kind of a masterclass. And this used to be an event that I only did for my private clients. Um, but now it's something that I offer for free. So it will be on January 6th. I believe they have the date right. That should be a Wednesday. Uh, but it'd be a really big event where I'm going to teach you how do you actually set your goals for 2021? Given everything that we've experienced, how do you reset the vision? I'm a big believer that right now there's three things that we need to do. We need to reset, um, mentally reset. We need to refocus. I think I've seen a lot of people, whether it was personal goals or professional goals, kind of put those goals on hold, trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen? You can't wait to figure out what's going to happen with COVID. You need to learn how to plan and succeed while COVID is still existing, right? Because we don't know if this is six months or a year out. And then the other deal is lean in. So how do you reset mentally? How do you refocus on your goals? And then how do you actually lean into this opportunity versus digging, you know, putting your head in the sand and hoping that it's going to pass? Um, people um, build successful businesses in recessions. People build successful businesses when there's a lot of uncertainty. The people who are going to sit back and kind of wait and figure out what's going to happen, you're going to get left behind. And that's whether it's your personal goals and you look up and you're like 20 pounds heavier or, or whether it's a business goal where you look up and you say, dang, there's 10 other people doing that idea that I had that are millionaires because they executed even when things were uncertain. Again, whether it's professional or whether it's personal, now is the time to be focused on your goals. And this is a, from a woman with two kids and I gotta, I got, I gotta go here. So I gotta get a little personal. You have two yeah, kids now. Um, are you, are you married? I am. Now, how, um, let's, how do I put this without sounding like, you know, families can be a burden because they're definitely a blessing, but how do you navigate and, and how much credit do you give, you know, your husband and having children to like have push you to go to the next level because uh, I, and that can go both ways. It could backfire on me people because <laughs> some, some people feel like they get support and some people feel like not having certain support actually pushes them. So I'm trying to see how does, you know, being a wife and being a mother, how does that impact you as a businesswoman? Yes. I remember, um, so I have a four-year-old and I have a nine month old. And I remember after having my first, um, driving into work after being on Miss Harnealy for I think it was like six to eight weeks and crying all the way there. And um, I felt a real sense of um, guilt. They always call it mom guilt um, because, and I felt it for a number of reasons. One, I felt like I had achieved all this success, right? Air quotes, according to most people. I was making multiple six figures, had the job, had the house, had the car, like all of that stuff, um, which was exciting. 
But then I also felt like I was missing, going to miss out on all of these opportunities that I wasn't going to see my son, um, you know, um, walk for the first time because my husband was going to stay at home with him for the first few months. And so I felt this sense of resentment actually towards my husband, like, you're going to get to see everything and I'm going to miss everything. And then on the flip side, I was like, but you're able to provide a life for your family. So it was like this, this feeling of being torn. Um, but I remember um, in that moment deciding that I wasn't going to choose financial success over the things that actually matter over family. And I felt that I was violating my values. And I felt that there was, I knew, not felt, I knew there was a way for me to have it both, have both. And I think a lot, especially women, we think that we have to pick. It's either career or success uh, or a career or family. And I'm here to tell you that you can absolutely have both. Like right now, my motto is I can be paid and still be present. Um, so I do teach my kid how to read and we, you know, playing dinosaurs so that I can hop on a business call and close a $50,000 deal and keep it moving at the same, same dang time. Right. <laughs> um, so I would definitely say that my kids have motivated me to think about my business different too, in terms of what systems and structure and support do I need to be the type of mom and wife that I want to be, but then also be able to to be the type of business owner I want to be. And so it's made me be a lot more strategic. It's made me get the right systems in place. It's made me um, also think about my product offering. So now I don't do as much one-on-one coaching um, because I want to be present. And so I've looked at my business model and my services different. So definitely has helped me. Definitely, My husband is an absolute... Uh, absolutely amazing he's an entrepreneur as well which I think helps sometimes also can create some conflict but I think we both understand the uh, sacrifices that you have to make well you say that now but that whole scenario that you just you know beautifully mentioned I mean that's an episode of blackish but that's my real life <laughs> and so I, I can run it down to say okay your husband he's staying at home has his entrepreneur goals and you're thinking like you said the resentment but he's thinking I'm sacrificing my own business thing so you can live your dream and I don't feel appreciated because yes I can do what I'm doing from home oh I could go down the scenario verbatim yeah verbatim <laughs> <laughs> That, that 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 was that was my life, right? The first uh, six to nine months, and we ended up getting some help um, to help with with our first son. But I mean, but we're right there again, right now with the nine month old, right? You're starting that whole process over again. Where right now he's watching the two kids, and I'm doing this, and then after the afternoon we'll switch, and then I'll be having the kids, and he'll go do his thing. But I think it's finding that that balance and. Um, I think it's also important to have like a common vision. So because we have a common vision as a couple, we're able to support each other as each person goes after their own goals and dreams. And who knows if you're even done. I know birth control works wonders, but sometimes <laughs> I can say it does not work, folks. Um, you know, uh, Morena, you're my last hope. And then we just let God do what he does. But, um, you know, w w with being in two people, being an entrepreneur and getting some help. And I mean, I assume you're talking about, you know, nanny help. But I tell people all the time, do not you know, disregard a good therapy session or sessions so you guys can, you know, bring it in. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you guys go through seasons of who's, you know, who's going to take uh, their job more 
seriously with time at least uh -huh. because being entrepreneurs i mean it never stops and you know thoughts one thought begets another so how do you guys you know balance that yeah um yeah so we definitely do have a season so my husband is in real estate and so um there's definitely um during the summer uh, where a lot of people are moving and we just we just learned to pivot whether that means getting additional help this year with COVID was really interesting right we because it was just us we had to just figure it out between the two of us um and when I was like writing my book back in 2018 I told him I, give me give me 30 days I'm gonna knock this book out and so he you know he took more of the child care on uh, and then I know during the summer when it's his busy season that I'm going to have to pick up more of the child care. So I think it's that balance between two um, and just knowing um, that it's a give and take. It's an ebb and flow. Uh, for me, I'm getting ready to go into my busy season. My busy season is really from like November to February. Um, so he knows from November to February, mommy is going to be really busy. His wife is going to be really busy. And so he's able to... Um, step it up more, if you will, in terms of like help with the kids. And then we just flip flop. Okay. Okay. That, that's a good, you know, good way of looking at it. It's, it's not impossible for a woman to have it all. It's not impossible for a man, you know, to have it all, but you surely have to choose wisely. Yeah. You know, you got to choose your partner wisely it has to be more than they look good. And you know, they got some money because that just will not keep up two people with goals. Talk about your, your books that you have on Amazon. You guys can check those out. Yeah. And, you know, um, is, is writing something that, you know, you do just for therapy or do you do it just to increase sales because there is data on that, but talk about yourself as an author. Yeah. So, um, so I wrote my first book, a woman with vision back in 2018. And it really, um, it's the first thing I did when I left my corporate job. So when I left corporate, um, I left in November with my book in January and it was out in April. And so I, um, wrote it as a way to kind of capture everything that I had done over the last 10 years and really in terms of like personal development. So it's all about how do you actually achieve your goals? And so I talk a lot about, about the systems that I use. I talk about uh, a concept that I call the goal setting trap. I talk about the four things that you need if, you're, if you want to execute your goals, whether they're business goals or personal. Um, you absolutely need clarity about what it is that you want, um, which sounds really obvious, but you would be surprised how many people just truly do not know what they want. They know what they don't want. Like, I don't want to work this job forever. I don't want to be fat. Or I don't want to be in debt. I don't want to be single. I don't want to be like, okay, well, what do you want? Uh, <laughs> so I talk a lot about how do you get crystal clear about what it is that you actually want? And then how do you create a plan to get there? Having a goal without a plan, chances are you're probably not going to accomplish it or it's going to take you a lot longer to get there. Um, then I talk a lot about how do you then um, have the right mindset? Um, and how do you fix and align your mindset with your goals? And then last, but uh, last but not least, is how do you actually execute, right? Having a goal is good. Having a plan is great. Having the right man mindset is good. But then how do you actually execute? How do you implement? How do you get from point A to point B? Uh, so they can purchase that book um, on Amazon. Again, it's a woman with vision. It's all about how do you um, set and execute your goals? I find a lot of people talk a lot about goal setting. Okay. What about goal execution? <laughs> what about actually achieving the goal? What about actually checking the goal off? 
setting the goal is only a, a small, small piece. And what about your latest book, The Ultimate Guide to Set and Accomplish Your 2020 Goals? Let's not forget that one. Yeah, so that is more of a, a workbook. And so that was uh, designed, really the process that I did one-on-one with a lot of women, um, I put into a workbook for people to map out their goals. Um, and so um, that's being revised now to um, have the latest edition available in, uh, in January. And then I have another book that um, actually have two books <laughs> that are underway. Uh, one is actually in editing right now. Um, and the other, um, I'm almost done, but one is a sales book. And one is a book on actually how to write a book. Um, because I know a lot of people, um, when they found out that I wrote my book in 21 days, I'm like, what? I've been working on my book for like three, four years. How did you get that done? And so I actually wrote a book on how I wrote a book and it's using the same process that I teach people on how to achieve any goal. It's just specifically on how to write a book. When they ask, tell them you have a set of magic pens that you can sell them <laughs> and it will help you write it. I mean, that's that <laughs> Go, going that old, you know, um, Kenneth Copeland way of uh, trying to sell some books, but are <laughs> some product. But no, this is this is great game. Let the people know where they can find you, connect with you, um, you know, just all around get a, a whole grasp of everything that you're doing. Uh, let them know. Yep. So the best place to follow me would be on um, Instagram, because that's where I spend most of my time. That's where I put a lot of content out. Um, and you can follow me at a woman with vision on Instagram. If you are more interested in the sell side of what I do in terms of how do I actually sell in a way that aligns with my values? How do I get new clients, new customers without being sleazy, without using manipulative sales tactics, but in a way that actually feels good, um, then you can go to larialipkins.com. If you're more interested in going into 2021, how do I set goals that actually matter to me? How do I align my mindset? How do I execute all of the things I said I was going to do in 2020 that I didn't do? Um, then you could follow me. Then you could go to a womanwithvision.com guys have been blessed with the game no game overload because this is enough for you to chop and eat consume digest and then implement i thank you for coming on thank you for having me guys like share subscribe do all that good stuff so someone else can get the game be blessed Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.